Howdy, partner. Uh, you are my favorite deputy. And Welcome to Not Just food. a Sports Welcome Report. Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Today, I'm going to be jumping into part two of my UFC 271 preview and predictions. The card is going down in Houston, Texas. It's bound to be a massive card. There's a couple of hometown heroes as well. Uh, Mana Martinez is fighting earlier on the prelims. And of course, Derek Lewis. This is going to be one of the biggest cards of the year. I cannot wait to jump into it. Of course, I've already done my prelims predictions. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, you can go back, have a listen to that one. I've gone through all of the preliminary card. Uh, and we have seen some changes. I did uh, pick Alex Perez over Matt Schnell by decision, or by submission, sorry. But that has been scratched. Alex Perez missed weight. And speaking of missing weight, another guy that I picked, William Knight. Mix, missed weight by six pounds, so missed weight by quite a lot. Uh, his opponent, Maxim Grishin, is a pretty big dude anyway. Uh, now, whether I think it was on short notice for Knight, so whether the, this was on purpose, I don't think so. Uh, but that's a lot to be over by, so that, mo- uh, that fight has been moved down to the opening fight now. So that one's going to open up the card now, uh, which it's kind of a punishment for Maxim Grishin who didn't deserve it, but for William Knight, it's kind of like, all right, we're moving you down. Uh, you're, you're on opening duties now. So that bumps up the opener between Jeremiah Wells and Blood Diamond. Uh, so that bumps that up to the second fight. But I've done the prelims already, so today is all about the main card. I'm going to be jumping through all five fights, giving a full preview, and then making my official prediction. Uh, and it's a huge main event. Obviously, I'm a Kiwi, I grew up in New Zealand, I've lived the second half of my life in Australia, so love the Australian and Kiwi fighters, and this is like the Super Bowl of main events for Australasian fans. We've got the middleweight championship, Adesanya, Whitaker 2, the rivalry has been renewed, Whitaker has more than earned this title shot with a spate of very impressive wins, and Adesanya, the only time he's been beaten has been up at light heavyweight, but I do know that Whitaker had a bit of a look at how uh, Blahovich beat Adesanya in their meeting last year, and I think Whitaker's going to come with a whole new game plan, a lot of new tricks up his sleeve, but the same can be said for Adesanya. So this is going to be one of the fights of the year, most definitely. Is, is he going to be able to put an end to their rivalry, or is Whitaker going to win, and is this going to be the kind of, not the start, because it's already begun, but kind of the continuation of one of the biggest feuds of all time. So many questions to be answered this weekend. I cannot wait for the main event. There's also plenty of fighters littered through the prelims uh, that have connections to the main event as well. Guys like Jacob Malkoon, uh, Carlos Ulberg, and Blood Diamond. Now, the co-main event of this card is the fight that I am most excited for so far in 2022. We have got heavyweight boppers... Derek Lewis, Ty Tuivasa. Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa has worked his way into this huge position. Both men have made me a ton of money recently with knockout win bets. And in the quite literal sense, they are two of the biggest fan favorites in the UFC. I'm going to jump into those fights a bit later, but we've got three other outstanding fights to have a look at first. So I'm going to jump into our opening fight. And if you want to keep up to date with all things Not Just A Sports Report, you can follow us on Instagram at Not Just A Sports Report. You'll be able to see whenever new content is posted. I'm working on a lot. There's going to be heaps coming out next week. 
a lot of UFC stuff as well. So if that's your thing, follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report. And whatever podcast platform you're listening on, if you can chuck us a follow, uh, if you really enjoy it, give us a five-star rating. I'm not here to tell anyone what to do. These are just kind of the things, I'm, you know, I'm starting from scratch. I'm really starting uh, from the bottom. So these things do help. Uh, but don't do it just because I'm saying it, you know. Do it if you enjoy it. If you think it's shit, just rate it one star, honestly. Why not? Uh, but there, this is a quick side note tangent, but just don't be one of those people who, you know, like, you're riding in an Uber and you give them four stars because you're like, you know, you're really thinking about your rating and being like, oh, you know, there's not quite a five star. Just give it, you know, five stars. Honestly, unless it was bad. Most of the time it's just five stars. It's like, thank you for getting me to where I need to go. Speaking of where we need to go, uh, it's on to this main card podcast. And for the main card, actually for the entire UFC 271 card this weekend, I will be going on Twitch with JJ, who has appeared on previous podcasts. He is running his own personal Twitch project. I'm going to be jumping on for that, and we're going to watch the entire UFC 271 card. Unfortunately, we can't, obviously, live stream the card, uh, but we'll be watching, we'll be giving live reactions. So if you don't buy the card, or if you can't find a stream, or all your streams and shit are in Russian and whatever, if you want to watch the live reactions... Uh, we'll be watching the entire card, going through our betting predictions, everything like that, and following on from the really good progress made last weekend. Uh, made a profit last weekend. Sean Strickland really got me up. Uh, Nick Maximov, a couple of other people as well. So I'm looking to make a big profit here. Uh, that's why I'm doing the big, big research Twitch stream. Uh, and yeah, you'll get my predictions today and then we'll be writing all of those predictions this weekend, hoping to make some money. So let's get started with our main card opener in Houston, Texas, UFC 271. We have got lightweights kicking off this card. It is Bobby Green and Nasrat Hakparast. The two international stars meet for the first time inside the octagon this weekend with their eyes set firmly on a spot inside the division's top 15. Both men sit just outside the rankings, so a win here could set them up for a ranked opponent next, if not a place in the top 15 for themselves. Bobby Green is riding a wave of momentum at the moment following a handful of outstanding displays, with his most recent outing being a round one stoppage knockout over Al Iaquinta at UFC 268 in November. Now for that fight, I backed Green by decision, uh, I thought knockout was definitely a possibility. I wasn't sure what kind of version of Iaquinta would show up. It turns out a version that was about to retire had probably lost his hunger. Uh, now, if we knew that, definitely Bobby Green knockout bet. But I didn't, so I went green by decision. Uh, and I think Bobby is sure to push Nasrat to his limit this weekend. And he shapes as the perfect test for the up-and-coming German in Hakparast, who is also of Afghani heritage. Now, another interesting note is that Hagparast is a southpaw, and Bobby Green really has tended to struggle with southpaws uh, in previous outings, so I think that is a note. That is one area. I definitely think Nasrat is a sneaky chance to get the win here. Now, Bobby Green has a lot of momentum behind him, but Nasrat is a really, really good chance. That's all I can say. I think Bobby Green is sometimes you get too confident on him, and then when you put your money on him, he doesn't perform the the way you need him to, like Tiago Moises, that loss, uh, which arguably when he loses sometimes it looks like 
he could have won. So they are very close contests, but I'm always wary of putting my money on Bobby Green. And the same goes for betting against him. Uh, but I found it really difficult to make my pick for this uh, main card lightweight opener. But at only 26 years of age, it's fair to say that Nasrat Spetsiers are ahead of him. He's already made quite the mark during his brief UFC run to date, and Hakparast is sure to be in Dana White's good books after pulling out all the stops and defying the odds to attend his scheduled bout against Dan Hooker last September. Hakparast went down by judge's decision in that fight, and I'm sure that left a sour taste in the mouth of Hakparast, and he's going to be ultra-determined to bounce back and avoid a two-fight losing slump. Nasrat hasn't been able to overcome more experienced opponents so far, and that's become a real trend throughout his career. Bobby Green is the perfect assignment for Hakparas at this stage of his young career, and yeah, whoever wins all of a sudden finds himself in a really good position amongst a stacked division, and as for the loser, they're probably going to have to go backwards a little bit to go forward, they're probably not going to get a ranked opponent next, they'll probably more likely get someone who's unranked in the lightweight division, who really looks like they could be a top 15 prospect. So it's, a, it's kind of a big one. It's a bit of a crossroads for both guys. It's not the be-all and end-all, but a win would mean so much for both of them. Uh, and on that same kind of token, a loss would be super devastating uh, for either of them. Now, does the veteran Bobby Green continue to age like a fine wine, or is it going to be the emerging prospect getting the job done? and moving himself one step closer to the top 15. On one side of the cage, we've got Bobby Green, nicknamed King, 35 years old, so he's still he's still not, you know, done. Uh, but he is kind of nearing the end. If he's going to make a run, and a genuine run, now he may not be looking to make a title run. He's a super entertaining fighter. All his fights are great. He always takes really challenging fights, so there's still definitely a place for him inside the UFC. But if he wants to make... One more run and try and get that belt in such a stacked division. The time is absolutely now. Bobby Green is from California. Uh, he's got some pretty dope head tattoos and shit as well. He's got, he rolls with a pretty dope look. And Green's associate, association is with the Pinnacle MMA group. So I uh, don't know too much about them. But yeah, we'll see what, what they're capable of this weekend, I suppose. Now, as far as the titles held... Uh, Bobby Green is a one-time UFC submission of the night winner, so he knows how to get it done by submission and in impressive fashion. Maybe we see him lean on that throughout this fight. Bobby has also been a performance of the night winner one time for a huge knockout, which was in his last outing against El Iaquinta in New York City, which is El's hometown, uh, and three times fight of the night winner. So Bobby Green, as I said, he knows how to be in an entertaining fight, He's more of a fan. He's more on the fan side and Dana White side. You know, he knows what everyone likes and he's willing to try and give that to them. He's not out to just try and win fights in a boring and conventional kind of fashion. So that's why we love Bobby Green here at Not Just a Sports Report. He at least comes out with intent and that's what I love to see in a fighter. Now, Bobby Green has also been a king of the cage lightweight champion and a king of the cage junior welterweight champion. Total Fight Alliance lightweight champion as well. So he's held a couple of belts outside of the UFC, uh, but he's never held UFC gold. So does he have that motivation and that drive and the confidence in himself? Because there are a lot of hard guys 
that he would have to get go through to get there. Uh, I'm not too sure, but let's see. Let's see what Bobby Green does this weekend because a lot of questions are going to be answered. This could go either way. A loss here, uh, and yeah, that's probably it as far as a run toward the belt goes for him. But a win, and anything's possible. A couple of years ago, people didn't think like Glover Teixeira would be a champion uh, just because it felt like it had taken too long or his time, I guess, had passed. Uh, Brandon Moreno, there are so many examples so, yeah, and who thought Francis Ngannou was going to wrestle Cyril Garn? So we really, really don't know, do we? So Bobby Green could absolutely be a champion, but if he wants to get to that level, then he's going to have to win this weekend. Now, Nasrat boasts the ever-so-slight advantage in the reach, uh, so hopefully he can use his size to his advantage, but Green, I don't think, will be bothered by just such a slight discrepancy in reach. Now Bobby Green in 2021 entered the year coming off a loss to Tiago Moises. Uh, a lot of people felt like he may have won. I had money on Bobby Green. I felt like he'd lost. Uh, I remember being like, damn, I remember that sucked. I did not enjoy that. Uh, now Green's first assignment of 2021 was a fight against standout lightweight prospect Raphael Fazeev. The bout was a highly entertaining contest fight of the night in fact, with Fazeev walking out the victor via judge's decision. Bobby returned to action at UFC 268 in December, knocking out the hometown hero El Ayaquinta, earning a performance of the night honour in the legendary Madison Square Garden. So his last few fights have all been in the conversation for fights of the night. He's been getting performance of the night bonuses. So he's really starting to prime himself for a big performance this weekend. Uh, this could be a potential sleeper for fight of the night. I'm interested because I do think this is going to be a close one. Uh, and Bobby Green loves to make it entertaining. And Nasrat is no slouch either. So this could be a sneaky little one, sneaky tip for a potential fight of the night. Now, when Bobby knocked out El Quinta, that was in the first round. It was really early. That win would have given Bobby all the confidence he needed as he charges full steam into Texas this weekend. Green has performed strongly in his recent losses as well, so don't be fooled into thinking that Bobby isn't a threat in this division. Time isn't exactly on his side though, which is why Bobby needs to make his run now. As I was talking about just before, a second straight win this weekend should give Bobby the chance to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a ranked opponent next, and state his case as to why the King should be included amongst the division's best. Bobby Green's pro record, he has had 41 fights, so he's been around for a hot minute, plenty of experience to draw on, 28 wins, 12 losses, and 1 draw. For Bobby Green's wins, he's had 10 knockouts, so he knows how to finish a fight, 8 submissions, and 10 decisions, so all across the board, Bobby Green can get it done in a number of ways, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see which way he gets it done if he is the winner this weekend. Knockout, potentially, this feels like it's going to be a very close fight. Submission could definitely be a value bet, but I'll take a look at the betting market a little bit later on. So for Bobby Green's wins, 10 knockout wins, 10 decision wins, and he's also got 8 submission wins. As for Green's losses, he's been knocked out twice, he's been submitted twice, but the majority of his losses have come by way of decision with 8 decision losses, a lot of them being very close 50-50 losses. So that's what this one could be. 
definitely, uh, regardless of who wins and loses, this could be a really close 50-50 contest where it's very hard to pick the winner. I actually think that is going to be the case where this is maybe a split decision or majority decision kind of situation, but we'll wait and see. Uh, the more I look into this fight, the more I get excited for it. It is the main card opener for a reason. It's going to set the tone perfectly, heading toward three major fights. And the one following this one as well is a big fight. Uh, but there are three major elite fights uh, coming up as well. So this sets the tone perfectly for that. They'll have a fight after, that, uh, after this one before they go into the three marquee fights. Uh, and yeah, it's just set up perfectly for a wild crowd. These guys... Again, let's get the tone started perfectly. As for Hakparast, he is 26 years old, so still very young. Has a lot of time to make his move through the rankings and eventually work his way to the title shot. So time is on the side of Nasrat Hakparast. He is from Hamburg, Germany. So he's one of the Germans getting around. There's a lot of different nations being represented inside the UFC. And Nasrat proudly represents Germany. Nasrat has been a one-time UFC fight of the night winner, which kind of ties into my theory that this fight could be an absolute contender for fight of the night. And Nasrat is also a one-time UFC performance of the night winner. Hakparas fought a couple of times in 2021. Now, he first appeared in March with a good decision win over Rafa Garcia. Uh, and that really got people talking about Nasrat Hakparas as a potential contender in the division, especially because of how young he is. Uh, and then he followed up with a decision loss to Dan Hooker. Both guys had, I know there were visa issues, there were COVID restriction issues. There were all kind of it, kinds of issues for both guys to make it. I believe, Was it in Abu Dhabi? I think that one might have been in Abu Dhabi. Uh, I can't remember exactly where it was. It might have been in the United States. But both guys had a really hard time getting there. They both made it there, had limited preparation. Uh, and Dan Hooker got the win over Nasrat. Now, he ended up facing Islam Makashev, took that fight uh, really shortly after and got submitted in round one. That's Dan Hooker, not Nasrat. Hakrapast entered the UFC with a heap of confidence and momentum on an eight-fight winning streak back in 2017. Nasrat's UFC record is five wins and three losses, so he's had a bit of a mixed bag, but they don't reflect uh, some of the really quality showings he's had in defeat. His overall professional record is 13 wins and 4 losses. Now, Nasrat's losses include one knockout loss to Drew Dober, one submission loss in the first fight of his professional career, and Hakprast also has two decision losses on his resume. So, the losses for Nasrat, one knockout loss, one submission loss, and two decision losses. So really interesting. I like looking at the kind of how they lose and seeing how that all goes down. Uh, now I'll take a look at how Nasrat has won his fights. He's had four decision wins, nine knockout victories, so no submissions. And it's fair to say that this fight is going to take place on the feet. Nasrat's going to be looking for that big knockout. He is a southpaw, which Bobby Green tends to struggle with. So this has the makings of a real classic in my opinion, I think they're both going to be trying to knock each other out all fight. We're going to see some really big shots landed. I can absolutely see someone getting knocked out, but I think they're both going to really tough it out. These are two really mentally tough fighters. 
who I think when it gets down and dirty, they're going to be there for it. They're still going to be throwing bombs. I think this one could go all three rounds with really high-intensity action. So, awesome fight to start this pay-per-view on. Shapes as the perfect opener to excite the crowd and prepare them for the other four huge fights to follow this lightweight banger. For the stylistic matchup, we have got two strikers, two performance of the night specialists, two fight of the night specialists, so this Shapes is the perfect contest. If you weren't excited about this fight, hopefully you are now. I think this is going to exceed a lot of people's expectations. This could be one where, where a lot of more casual viewers are at the pub and things like that, just having beers, mainly want to watch the main events and things. I think this is a fight where they're going to be like, they may already know Bobby Green, they may know Nasrat because he fought Dan Hooker, but if they don't really know these guys, I think afterward it's going to exceed their expectations. They're going to be coming away saying, wow, how good was that fight? Uh, so regardless of the result, I think we're in for a definite fight of the night contender as far as this one goes. So hopefully it's not boring uh, because then I'm going to look like a dickhead for hyping it up this hard. But I doubt it's going to be boring. As you can tell, I'm very excited about the prospects of this fight. I think it's going to be a banger. I think there's going to be fireworks. Uh, I can't imagine this is going to be a boring fight. If I can imagine anything, I think there's going to be a bonus check involved for either fight of the night or performance of the night somewhere throughout this 15 minutes. We've got lightweights as well. So as far as the heavy hands, it kind of goes both ways. They don't have as many knockout artists. It's kind of somewhere in between with death by a thousand cuts and big knockout shots. So it's really interesting. I think this one, if we do see a knockout, then that will make me lean towards stoppages a little bit more in the lightweight division. But I also think there are going to be a lot of decisions uh, throughout the lightweight division just because of how closely matched a lot of these fighters are. So I'm going to take a look at the betting market now. Uh, please excuse me as I pull up my phone. We've got Bobby Green and Nasrat Hakprast in lightweight action kicking off this UFC card in Houston for UFC 271. So I've got it up. Where are we? Oh, it looks like they've moved Kyla Phillips as well. The One second, the fight I was going to do. They've moved some shit around. Ah, oh, that makes things confusing, doesn't it? Alright, one second, we're live here. Let me check. Ah, oh, they've moved. Maybe someone missed weight. Now, they've moved Moicano and Hernandez up to the main card. Okay. And they've moved Kyla Phillips and Marcelo Rojo down. Let me check. Let me check. We're live right now. I'm just going to check if someone has missed weight. Why is that? Why is that getting moved? Uh, can't seem to find out why. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be jumping into the Marcelo Rojo and Kyla Phillips one next. <clears throat> but that is actually... Uh, it's been moved to the prelims, but I didn't include it in my prelims preview, so... What I'm going to do, I did include Moicano versus Hernandez in my prelims previews. So if you're keen to know my thoughts on that fight, you can go back and listen to the preliminary podcast. Uh, I took Renato Moicano by decision, but there, I explained there's a lot of different ways that one can go. I went full, full analysis mode on that fight. So if you go back and listen to the preliminary podcast, you'll be able to hear all about that fight. I'll jump into the bantamweight. Kyla Phillips fight next up, even though that is on the prelims. 
But first, the betting odds. And Bobby Green is the slight favorite at $1.68, whilst Nasrat has really good value at $2.20. I love that price tag for Hack Parast. As far as the methods of victory, Bobby Green by submission, which could be a major value bet, $13. Bobby Green by decision, $2.75. So that's the way most likely it looks like it's going to go. Uh, or Bobby Green to get the knockout stoppage at $4.50. Now for Nasrat to win by submission, $23, highly unlikely. To win by knockout, $6, that is a major value play. Now Bobby Green has barely ever been knocked out throughout a 41 fight career. But Nasrat, the majority of his wins have come by way of knockout. So I think if Nasrat can get the job done, uh, knockout could be a great bet at $6, but... For either man, I'd be leaning toward decision here. And yeah, I think if either man wins, it's by decision. So Nasrat, by decision, $3.40 or head-to-head, $2.20. I think if you're going to have a play on Hakparast, go for him by decision, $3.40. You can make a lot of money if he gets the job done. Uh, And Bobby Green, by decision or knockout. Knockout, $4.50 is a really nice little cheeky odds there. Um, but I think it's most likely this one goes to decision. So either Bobby Green at $2.75 or Huck Parast at $3.40. Take your pick. As for my pick and my official prediction for this podcast, this main card opener UFC 271, lightweights Bobby Green and Nasrat Huck Parast. As I said, I think this one is going to go to decision. I wouldn't be surprised to see the finish, but I am going to be taking Bobby Green Not with a heap of confidence either. I think this is going to be a very close fight. But I'm going to take Bobby Green by decision. I think he can just get the job done. uh, And I think he'll be the one getting his hand raised. So lightweight action in the main card opener. I've got Bobby Green defeating Nasrat Hakparast by decision. So now I will jump on to the bantamweight fight, which has now been moved down. To the preliminary card, sorry for the confusing order, uh, but these things happen. The cards do get shuffled around. We've seen William Knight be moved to the opening fight, uh, and I've done Moicano versus Hernandez, which is now on the main card. I picked Moicano by decision, so now I'm going to jump into what I thought was a main card fight. Uh, I now know that this is a preliminary card fight, but I'm going to include it because I wanted to do every fight on this card so i'm going to make sure i get that one done so let's move on now and i'd say let's move up the card but for just a moment before we get to our three marquee fights let's for a minute just move down the card to some preliminary action between bantamweights kyla phillips and marcelo rojo this one is bound to be an explosive showing it is another potential performance of the night slash fight of the night contender so it's another one I was really excited for. I wrote on this main card, but now on this prelims card. So we scale it back a little bit. But business is about to pick up at £135 this weekend, with both men out to make a statement and close the distance between themselves and the division's top 15. Rafael Asuncao is currently sitting in number 15 uh, as far as the bantamweight rankings go. And with Rafael's less than stellar showings recently, It is not a stretch to suggest that the winner of this fight may secure the number 15 position for themselves. The fight itself is almost guaranteed to be a classic encounter, 
with both fighters well-versed on the feet and on the mat. The 26-year-old Phillips will be looking to start fresh this year after a seesawing 21 campaign. Kyla started strong with a decision win over top bantamweight prospect Song Yedong at 259, and all of a sudden Kyla Phillips was beginning to really gather steam in his push to make a name for himself, to become a draw within the UFC, and ultimately to push to eventually become a contender at 135. After that win over Song Yedong, Kyla spent some time in the top 15, but his run was very short-lived. His most recent outing was a contentious decision loss to Raulian Piver, who, if you don't know who that is, or maybe you recognize the name, his most recent outing was the knockout loss to Sean O'Malley. Now, there are lots of potential options as far as who Kyla could face next if he wins this. Maybe a rematch with Piver, but he's definitely going to be in the conversation for that spot in the top 15. I think if Kyla Phillips gets the win here, then he will take the number 15 spot, and that will set him up to take on a really big opponent next. But first, he has to get past Marcelo Orojo, who himself is a very quality fighter. A win here could see Rojo steal that spot inside the rankings. Uh, there were lots of matchups that they were trying to put together for Rojo, and heaps of them were falling apart, so it's been a really unlucky uh, run for Marcelo. But he's got a full camp heading into this fight, we are going to see the best version of Rojo. That is my belief. So I'll take a look at both guys now. Uh, and then, yeah, I'm going to make my prediction for what is now a preliminary card fight. So we've got the man nicknamed Matrix, Kyla Phillips. He is only 26 years of age, so he has a heap of time. That is why he's definitely in the conversation as a future contender, because he's got a lot of time on his side. And as he gains more experience, he's going to become even more dangerous. Now, Kyla is fighting out of Phoenix, Arizona, and his team is the MMA Lab, who really quality. Now, Kyla has been active as well since 2016, but I just wanted to touch on his gym, MMA Lab, and some of the fighters, uh, that the notable fighters from MMA Lab. So they have Benson Henderson, Jared Cannonier, who is coming up next on this preview, Sean O'Malley, Mackenzie Dern, the Korean Zombie, Alex Caceres, uh, known as Bruce Leroy, and Brian Barberena, who lost me some money in my last bet. Thanks, Brian. Bad luck, Brian. Uh, no offense to Brian Barberena. But yeah, a lot of quality fighters at MMA Lab. Kyla Phillips is surrounded by elite talent, and he has a very strong association with Sean O'Malley, given that they are both bantamweights. They train together, uh, and yeah, he's... Part of the Sugar Show, I guess. He's an extended member of the Sugar Show. So Kyla Phillips is going to be looking to build his own name for himself. He does get a bit of that kind of popularity rub, rub off on him from Sugar Sean. So now is a really great time for Kyla to capitalize on the position that he finds himself in, work himself into the rankings alongside Sugar Sean. Uh, and then, yeah, they're both starting to make moves in the UFC. So really exciting for the pairing of Sugar Sean and Kyla Phillips in the bantamweight division. Now, as far as accomplishments go, Kyla Phillips is a one-time performance of the night winner. He has been involved in two fights of the night against Gabriel Silva and Raulian Piver in his last fight. So this, alongside with Bobby Green and Nasrat, these are two fights that are definite contenders 
for Fight of the Night. And there are some bigger fights, uh, fights that maybe people are talking about a bit more on this card. But these are two of the fights. They're on this card for a reason because it's such a big card. But these ones have been picked for a reason because they're going to be fucking good. I'm telling you, this is going to be another great one in the bantamweight division. One of my favorite divisions. They always put on a great show and potentially the most stacked division in the entire UFC. Tyler is also going to have the slight reach advantage. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I think he'll be able to pick off Marcelo Roger. I'm not sure exactly who has the power advantage or the strength advantage. I'm excited to see how that all plays out this weekend. Uh, but this fight is sure to be a thrilling battle on the feet. I think we're going to see a really fun, fast, high-intensity contest on the feet. Lots of striking exchanges. I'm not too sure how much wrestling we'll see. And I think Kyler Phillips, after the way he lost by decision, and he feels like he won that fight, I think he's coming out a lot harder this time. I think he's going to be chasing the finish. Uh, I don't think he's out to go to decision this time. He doesn't trust the judges. This time, I think Kyler Phillips is coming into Houston, Texas with every intention of keeping the judges out of this one and stopping the fight himself. But he's got a tough opponent in Marcelo Rojo, nicknamed Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. Uh, Kodak rhymes with Kodak. So Marcelo Rojo in esteemed company, nicknamed Pitbull. He's not nicknamed Mr. Worldwide, uh, but now he is. He's also 33 years old, so he's a little bit older than Kyler Phillips, but yeah, not, not significantly older. I don't think the age will play too much of a bearing in this contest. Marcelo is from Argentina, and he trains at the Entram Gym, who I, I couldn't remember, but I, there are a few fighters that definitely come from Entram. That is a quality uh, gym, but I think comparatively to MMA Lab, uh, I think Kyler Phillips has the advantage as far as his team, association, uh, gym and training partners go, but I don't know enough about MTram Gym to say that with confidence, but I really like uh, kind of what MMA Lab are doing at the moment. Now, Marcelo's last fight was his UFC debut. He took the fight on short notice in a round three TKO loss to Charles Air Jordan, who has been a very exciting fighter. We nearly saw him take a short notice fight against Ilya Tapuria before Tapuria pulled out. Uh, at UFC 270. So Rojo lost to Charles Jourdain and he is going to be out to make amends in Houston this weekend. And a win over Kyler Phillips should be enough to propel Marcelo into the top 15. Now, as far as wins go, Marcelo Rojo has had 16 wins and he has had seven losses throughout his career. Rojo's wins include eight knockouts, six submissions, one decision, and one other. Interesting, but it looks like this fight is definitely destined to go to a finish. Uh, if it's really, really close, then maybe they're just going to battle it out for the 15 minutes. I don't know enough about Rojo to really make an informed comment. And I've seen Kyler Phillips quite a bit of him, but I still don't really know. This one could go to decision. I'm not super confident. But Marcelo Rojo, if he's winning, he's had eight, eight knockouts and six submissions. So pretty much all of his wins have been stoppages. As for Rojo's losses, he's been knocked out once, submitted four times, and he's gone to decision twice. So it looks like this one is going to head to a stoppage. I think that's the way I'm going to go as far as my bet and my official prediction. I'm not going to be going with a decision bet here, but I will not be surprised if this one does go to decision. Now, back to Kyler Phillips, who had his four-fight 
win streak ended by Rawlian Paiva in a very close and controversial decision loss. Now, Kyler's going to be aiming to bounce back, make it five wins from his past six appearances. Overall, Phillips' record is nine wins and two losses. The two losses of Phillips' career were the majority decision loss to Paiva and a split decision loss to Victor Henry, who was on the card, biggest underdog at UFC 270. Got the job done. Sorry, I'm adjusting my chair. Got the job done. Victor Henry beat Rony Barcelos. I did not pick that. And he was one of the best performers of the night. So Victor Henry, split decision, uh, got the job done over Kyla Phillips. But that's a note as well. Two losses for Phillips. A really controversial majority decision loss where a lot of people felt like he won. And a fight that I didn't see, but a split decision loss. So another very close loss to Victor Henry, who is now inside the UFC. So the only two losses for, for Kyler have been uh, debatable, I guess you could say. So that leads me to believe that he's going to come out, he's going to get a flashy finish here. I think Kyler Phillips could be a great chance at earning a performance of the night um, honor tonight, whether that's submission or knockout. Well, Kyler's only had one submission from his nine wins, five knockouts and three decisions. So most likely, Kyler's going to be going for the big knockout. Uh, but Marcelo Rojo is going to be ready for it. They're going to be trading. They are both knockout specialists. So this proves to be a great addition to this card. As far as the stylistic matchup, this fight could be anything. Uh, it's just kind of like going to be a bit of a freestyle. I think we may see some wrestling. We're going to be seeing big strikes. The more I think about it, this could definitely go to decision and be a really close one, but I think both guys are going to want to implement their game. It's such a big card to be involved in. The bigger the finish and the bigger the win that you can have, the further up the card you're going to move. Both guys know that, and I think they're ready and primed for a big finish. As far as the weight class, bantamweight, that kind of leans me towards decision, but as I said, I'm going to be taking a stoppage in this one. Uh, but with the lighter weight class, there's not as much knockout power. But both Marcelo Rojo and Kyla Phillips, the majority of their wins have come by way of knockout. So I think they dispel that theory. And that is why I'm leaning towards stoppages in this one. So I'm going to take a look at the betting market and then I will make my official prediction for this contest. All right, so I have the betting market in front of me. Kyla Phillips, very heavy favorite at $1.26. So it's a bit distracting. I can hear my housemates playing. There's always some fucking noise I have to contend with. I apologize. I'm always, always battling, always battling these rogue sounds, but at least it is not music now. So a little bit easier to contend with. Uh, and that's why this is coming out a bit later in the week. I just have to pick my right moments to record. Now, Kyla Phillips is the heavy favorite at $1.26. Marcelo Rojo, $3.80. We saw a huge underdog in Victor Henry get up last card, so... Marcelo Rojo by knockout, $8.50. $8.50, unbelievable. Now, Kyla Phillips has never been knocked out, but that's a huge price tag. $7.50 for Rojo to win by decision. If you're going to go with Rojo, I'd go knockout. $8.50, those are huge odds. Uh, now, Kyla, the heavy favorite, $1.26. Rojo, $3.80. Kyla Phillips to win by submission, $6.50. To win by decision, $4.10, which could be a really good bet. And Kyla Phillips' most likely option is to win by knockout at $2.05. As for which way I am going, my official prediction for this bantamweight 
prelim fight. I'm going to be taking Kyla Phillips by knockout, and I'm going to be th- uh, saying, throwing it in there. That sorry, it's this TV show in the background is distracting me. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be saying that this is going to be a performance of the night. Bonus for Kyla Phillips. I think he's going to get it done. Actually, no. I retract that statement because we've got a huge heavyweight fight coming up where there's bound to be a knockout. So I'm not going to throw the performance. I'm going to say it's likely. It's up there. I think it's going to be a big finish, and I think this is going to propel Kyla into the rankings, and this is going to be the start of something really big for him. So I think he's going to start that with a hugely emphatic knockout, maybe round one, or maybe just in a really big kind of exciting fashion but I'm taking Kyla Kyla Phillips I nearly said Kyla Williams I don't know why uh Kyla Phillips by knockout so that's been moved to the prelims I'm taking Kyla by knockout now it's time to move back up the main card and we are we're ready it's the three marquee fights these are the three big ones it's not just the main event and the co-main event this third fight and this next fight is almost on par. It's not for me as big as the other two, but it is right there. There are title implications. I'm about to jump into the entire thing. So without further ado, it is time for me to now jump into middleweight action between Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson. This one is another fight that I'm so excited for on this card. It was moved from UFC 270 to this 271 card and for very good reason. We've got Blonde Brunson, who is just built different. And we've got Cannonier, who originally, a while ago, was called out by Israel Adesanya. That's who he said he wanted to challenge to uh, challenge next. Uh, but Cannonier lost by decision to Whitaker. So that was what kind of led to this point, where we find ourselves now. Uh, and this fight for mine between Brunson and Cannonier is a title eliminator. The winner of this deserves the next shot at the title. Uh, and they moved this match from UFC 270 onto this card. I believe the winner of this fight is next up to challenge for the belt. I know if Whitaker wins, the trilogy is an option, but I think as far as who gets pole position to be right in line for that next shot, the winner of Cannonier and Brunson is right there. They are ranked fourth and fifth, I believe, or third and fourth, maybe third and fourth, I think. Uh, I'll double check on that in a moment. But Marvin Vittori, who is ranked second, he has already had two shots at Izzy. So I think the winner of this, it makes total sense for them to be getting a title shot at some point this year. So a very exciting fight. I really enjoy both men. I'm a huge fan of Derek Brunson, especially his personality. Uh, And of course, the main event is for the middleweight championship. So this is to see who is next in line. Sean Strickland is another name that's been in the conversation. But it's Brunson and Cannonier who deserve the next title shot, should they win, in my opinion. So if Whitaker wins in the main event, then maybe the trilogy is next. But they could save that, because uh, that is a really big fight to do. And maybe they save that, and the winner of this gets the next title shot. Whereas if Adesanya wins, then this fight is 100% a title eliminator. They will be next up to take on the champion. They will be fighting on the same night as him. They're going to have the perfect opportunity to get a big win, and then in the interview after, make their call out, let it be known, I want to challenge for that title next. And then they're going to have to sit back, and they're going to have to watch and wait and see how the main event unfolds. They're going to be cheering on for Izzy, I think, in my opinion, because if Whitaker wins, 
then that makes it a bit trickier for them to get the next shot at the belt. So I think they're going to be cheering on Izzy. They're both going to be wanting to take on the champ. Uh, and yeah, this, this shit writes itself, doesn't it? The middleweight division, the narratives are there. They're intertwined now between a lot of the guys in the top 10. Uh, so either way, whoever wins the main event and this fight, we're, we're up for some exciting matchups in the middleweight division. Now, Cannonier has gone four wins and one loss since moving to middleweight, defeating the likes of David Branch, Anderson Silva, Jack Hermanson, and Kelvin Gastelum. Cannonier's only setback came at UFC 254 when he lost to Robert Whitaker, who was in the main event of this card. That was by decision, and before that, of course, Israel, as I said, he called out, he let it be known if Jared Cannonier can get a good win over Robert Whitaker. You're next for a shot at the belt. So he specifically was like, I want Cannonier. Didn't mention Whitaker. Whitaker had to go the long way around, earn his way to another shot at the title, but he defeated Cannonier on that night. So that sets up for another interesting narrative. If Whitaker wins uh, and they don't go the trilogy straight up, Cannonier versus Whitaker. Whitaker has beaten him once before. This time it would be for the belt. So plenty of narratives throughout this kind of bout these two middleweight fights uh, and it's going to have a major bearing on the 2022 for the middleweight division and how all of it plays out in terms of title shots big fights and what is next for all four of these men now Whitaker is on his road to the title shot at the point that he beats Cannonier, and he's going to receive that in the main event tonight so it's timed well Cannonier will know that could have been me even before, it wouldn't have even been now. Cannonier could have already been the champion now, or at least had a shot at the title. He is 37 years old, so he knows that he can't be wasting any time. So, major fight for Cannonier. He will be seeing Whitaker in the main event and thinking, that could have been me if I had beaten him. That could have been me, and that can still be him, but he cannot let this opportunity slip. Mum's spaghetti on his sweater already, or vomit, I don't even fucking know. But it's going to be a good fight. It's going to be a really good fight with major title implications. So a lot of potential matchups that could come from this. Adesanya Kananir hasn't happened before. Brunson Adesanya. Adesanya has knocked Brunson out in the past. Whitaker Brunson. Whitaker has knocked out Brunson in the past. Or Whitaker and Kananir, which Whitaker beat Kananir by decision. So a lot of these matchups have already taken place. But that doesn't make it any less exciting. In fact, that just adds a little bit of extra history to almost all of these potential fights. They're all linked together in some way. And now we are going to see the next move. Who's going to win these two fights? I'm not too sure. But once we see who wins, we're going to have a much clearer picture on what the future of the middleweight division looks like. It is the 10th year in the UFC for Derek Brunson, so... He's been here for a hot minute. Now is his time more than ever to finally make that title push. I've heard him be referred to as a gatekeeper before. Someone who kind of guards that title contention. Uh, and if guys can beat him, then that kind of adds to their resume as to why they should challenge. But Brunson is more than that. Blonde Brunson is undefeated. He is built different. He is the king of the mean game. He is so fucking funny. Uh, and he derails hype trains. This is another huge opportunity for him to derail another hype train the memes that would follow would be unreal that's kind of why i want to see him win uh and yeah is he going to be the gatekeeper or is it gatekeeper no more 
The winner of this will have their nose in front in the number one contender race. So I know that Bon Brunson is going to be coming. He's going to be looking to continue to reign as a blonde undefeated fighter. Uh, of course, he and Charles Oliveira are blonde brothers. So yeah, highly entertaining fighter, not just inside the cage, Derek Brunson. And in his 10th year in the UFC, now's his time. He has an awesome opportunity to get another shot at Israel Adesanya or Robert Whittaker. Now, I'll look at a couple of stats for both men, or not really stats, but just a little information. Nicknames, we've got Blonde Brunson uh, versus the Killer Gorilla, Jared Cannonier. Uh, middleweight division, of course. Ages, Cannonier is 37. He has been active since 2011. And Derek Brunson is 38 years old, active since 2010. Hometowns, Brunson is from North Carolina, whilst Cannonier is fighting out of Phoenix, Arizona, just like Kyla Phillips, both of them coming from the MMA lab. Derek Brunson will be representing Sanford MMA, who have such elite names on their books like Kamaru Usman, UFC welterweight champion, Michael Chandler, Robbie Lawler, Luke Rockhold, this is all at the one gym where Derek Brunson trains, Vitor Belfort, Gilbert Burns, Vicente Luque, Brendan Allen, who we saw win last weekend, Shavkat Rachmanov, who was an elite Kazakhstani prospect, who we also saw get a huge win last weekend, made me some money, uh, and Anthony Rumble Johnson. These are just some of the names at Sanford MMA. This sets Derek Brunson up really nicely. He is amongst the elite of the elite at his gym. It is a top-tier gym. Now, speaking of gyms, Cannonier is at the MMA lab, which I mentioned has names like Kyla Phillips, uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley, and some of the accomplishments on Cannonier's resume. He is a one-time fight of the night winner uh, in his win over Eon Kutalaba, and he is a three-time performance of the night winner. So he knows how to get the big knockout, knows how to impress the fans and Dana White. So he's going to be looking for another performance of the night level finish here. But I can see it going to decision. He went to decision in his last five-round contest. Uh, I, I believe it was decision. He definitely has been to decision in five rounds. This is only three rounds. So I can see it happening. Um, but if you want to make your name and you really want to be that contender, you've got to chase the finish. Now, Cannonier is a former Alaska Fighting Championship heavyweight champion. That's right, heavyweight now, Cannonier has been through a few weight divisions. He started as a heavyweight from 2011 to 2016. Then he moved down to light heavyweight from 2016 to 2018. And Cannonier has been a middleweight since 2018. And he now finds himself in what he believes is his perfect weight division. He's got a huge power advantage. He can really make it work. And I think he's, he's in the perfect place. This is now the time. I thought he was going to lose to Whitaker. I went with Whitaker against Cannonier, but now I feel it's different. Now I think, I don't think then was Cannonier's time. Now I think is Cannonier's time. That is my opinion. He's made the move to middleweight a successful one, and now it's his time to really step it up. All right, now Derek Brunson's accomplishments. Uh, one that caught my eye. Brunson in 2002 was a cheerleading national champion. So uh, I don't know, I guess, whether the cheerleading skills will come into play in his fight this weekend but impressive nonetheless cheerleading looks hard i'm not going to talk shit about anything that i can't do 
Uh, and I watched like 10 minutes of this thing chair on Netflix, which is supposedly good. Uh, I just don't watch a lot of stuff on Netflix, so I didn't go back to it. But uh, full respect to cheerleading. I'm not talking any shit about cheerleading. Just caught my eye, Derek Brunson, cheerleading national champion in 2002. Team player. Uh, now, Brunson has also won Fight of the Night honors twice. He's had one performance of the night for his win over former UFC light heavyweight champion Leoto Mashida. As far as the size advantage, the height advantage goes to Brunson. Uh, the reach to Cannonier, so pretty even in terms of size. The power absolutely goes to Cannonier. Durability uh, and the ability to take a shot definitely goes to Cannonier as well. But the grappling and the submission game goes to Brunson. So there are a lot of ways, hello train, uh, there are a lot of ways that this could play out and advantages for both guys that kind of level it out or level each other's strengths and weaknesses out. Now the rankings, Cannonier is in at number three, looking very likely for that next title shot, whilst Brunson is number four, so he knows a win here. He goes into that position and he is next for a title shot. So very much genuine title implications in this one. Cannonier ranked number three in the middleweight division, Brunson number four. Uh, now, Brunson's last loss before his winning streak was to the champion, Israel Adesanya. So that is worth noting. Brunson went on back-to-back -back losses. He lost to Souza, Ronaldo Souza, and Israel Adesanya. Both knockout losses as well for Brunson. So the narrative is there. Should Brunson become the next number one contender? He either faces Adesanya again, or he takes on Whitaker, who he has also lost to via knockout. There is the redemption arc for Blonde Brunson. He is a new man. He is undefeated. Brunson is just built different. He has the most elite pose in mixed martial arts. He's got it all down pat. He is on a five-fight win streak, looking to extend that tally to six and lock up the next opportunity at a middleweight title shot. Now, Blonde Brunson's run has been Elias Theodoru by decision. He beat Ian Heinish by decision. He beat Edmund Shabazian by technical knockout. And then, this is where Blond Brunson really started to come into his own. He took on the fighter of the year, Kevin Holland, and he derailed the huge big mouth hype train. And he made it look easy. Unanimous decision. Kevin Holland still hasn't fully recovered from that loss either. So Derek Brunson, he derails hype trains. That was a main event fight too. And that was the beginning of Brunson's kind of push back toward title contention. Then in his most recent outing, Derek Brunson submitted Darren Till. He looked in another league to Till. Uh, Till, in my opinion, I wouldn't say overrated, uh, but I think people have really high raps on him, whereas I'm not as high on him. But the potential is there. But yeah, I had Brunson in that one uh, and he got it done. I think I may have taken Brunson by technical knockout, but he got the submission win. Now, they've been in a marathon of five-round fights, both Cannoneer and Darren Till. Uh, their last two fights in five-round fights. So this one's going to be a three-rounder. It is going to be more of a sprint than a marathon. So the marathon and the five-rounders, I think this is going to be a more of a sprint. We're going to see them going harder and faster because it's an only a 15-minute fight. They don't have to pace themselves as much. And so a stoppage victory could be on the cards, and I think if either of them can get a stoppage victory, that should be enough, as I've said plenty of times, to see the winner challenge for the belt next. So I'm going to take a quick look at their professional records now. 
starting with Jared Cannonier. Uh, he has 19 fights, 14 wins and 5 losses is the record for Jared Cannonier. So 14 and 5 Cannonier's losses. He's had 3 decision losses, including the loss to Robert Whitaker, And he's had 2 knockout losses. So he was knocked out by Dominic Reyes. And he was knocked out by Sean Jordan at UFC 182 back in 2015. So quite a while ago, that one. Uh, now, Cannoneer's wins. He has three decision wins, two submissions, but most of Cannoneer's wins have come by way of knockout. Nine of Cannoneer's 14 wins have come by way of knockout. He is not called the Killer Gorilla for no reason. He knows how to shut his opponent's lights out. As for Derek Brunson's record, I'll just take a quick look at that. Derek Brunson has competed in 30 fights. This is his 10th year in the UFC. And Brunson's record is 23 wins and 7 losses. Five of Brunson's 7 losses have come by way of knockout, which really spells danger. That kind of points toward a Cannoneer knockout finish, but MMA math and things like that don't always work out. You've got to be careful with all of that, but... It does definitely lean me toward Cannonier by knockout. I'm still really not sure which way I'm going to go. I can see either guy winning, but five of Brunson's seven losses by knockout. That does put him in a really vulnerable position against someone like the Killer Gorilla, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful middleweight in the UFC. Now, Brunson has won a heap by knockout as well. He's actually won more times by knockout than Cannonier has. Brunson has won 12 times by knockout from 23 wins. He also has four submissions, including the one over Darren Till last time out. And Brunson has seven decision victories. So if Brunson wins here, then I think most likely he'll win it by decision. But I think if it goes to decision, then Cannonier can do enough in that 15 minutes to get the win anyway. So Brunson's really going to have to put his best foot forward this weekend. I cannot wait to see how this one is going to play out. We've got two unbelievably strong strikers. Cannonier probably has the advantage. But Brunson knows how to use this wrestling. He knows how to use the ground and pound. He's got a lot of his own tricks that could definitely exploit some weaknesses of Cannonier. So I'm so excited to see who is superior and who comes out the better man in such an important fight. It is the middleweight division and Brunson... His, his specialty is probably, I know, I know it says knockout, but decision is probably where this is going to go for him, whereas Cannonier is more of a knockout operator. There are lots of different likely scenarios, but only one is going to play out in Houston this weekend. So I'll run through the betting market, and then I'm going to make my official prediction for this marquee number one contender fight, in my opinion. Middleweight action, Jared the Killer, Gorilla, Cannonier up against Derek Brunson, Blonde Brunson, undefeated, derails hype trains. He is built different. This is going to be a really fun one. Now, Cannonier is the favorite at $1.58, whilst Derek Brunson is $2.40. I think those odds do reflect kind of where this contest is at. I'm happy with those odds. Cannonier, you can still make some money on at $1.58 head-to-head, whilst Brunson provides that value. And there's been plenty of value across this card. This is another great example. Brunson at $2.40 head-to-head. As far as method of victories, Cannonier to win by knockout is $2.20. So you can definitely double your money. You can more than double your money. So if you put a bit on it, 
Uh, that could be a great bet for this card. Cannoneer by submission, $18. Not sure we'll see that happen. And Cannoneer by decision, $5.50. I can definitely see that happening. I would consider a $5.50 bet for Cannoneer because there could be real money made. You could five times your money, more than five times your money. Uh, and I don't, I don't think it's that far-fetched. I think that that's a bit overs on the odds. So can definitely see Cannoneer winning this one by decision. $5.50 odds are really nice for that. Now for Derek Brunson to win by knockout, $8. He has had 12 knockout wins. He's had more career knockout wins than Cannoneer. So $8 is an unbelievably juicy price for Derek Brunson to get the knockout over Cannoneer. Now Brunson to win by submission, $10. Another very juicy price tag considering he's coming off a submission victory. And for Brunson to win by points, or decision is $3.75. So no matter which way you go with Derek Brunson, there is money to be made if you can make the correct prediction. Uh, as for which way I'm going to go in this middleweight marquee fight, I believe the winner is fighting for the title next. I'm going Jared Cannonier. I think now is his moment. This weekend is his time to get that win and say, I am up next definitively. And I think the only way for it to be definitive is for him to get the stoppage. So my official prediction for this middleweight fight and for the podcast is Jared Cannonier to win by knockout. So it's a really big fight. I think after that, Cannonier should challenge the winner of the main event. Now, if Whitaker wins, then I think they'll probably go the trilogy first. But regardless, Cannonier, I think he, he deserves to wait. His last fight and his win, he could have already been considered a title contender. So if he beats Brunson, even if they do the trilogy first, I don't think it would be outrageous to suggest that maybe Cannonier just waits and that he is up next, but it could be a while. So there's a lot to keep updated on in terms of the situation, but all Jared Cannonier can control is his result. That's all he can control. So I think that's what he's going to focus on. Cannonier by knockout is my official prediction. I'm also going to be chucking money on it. So $2.20 odds. I'll probably chuck maybe $50 on it. So Jared Cannonier by knockout. Hopefully I can turn that into over $100. Uh, and yeah, that is one of my hot tips for the card. I think Cannonier can get the stoppage. So my official prediction, UFC 271 middleweight action. I've got Jared Cannonier over Derek Blonde Brunson by knockout. Handing Blonde Brunson his first loss as a blonde man. Uh, and yeah, I don't think Blonde Brunson will be undefeated coming out of this weekend. So Cannonier by knockout, huge middleweight fight, but it's not even the biggest middleweight fight on this card. I will get to our main event in a moment, but first, it is the fight that I am most excited for so far in 2022. Two of my favorite fighters, two of almost everyone's favorite fighters in the world. We've got Tai Bam Bam Tuivasa representing Australia and we have got Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, one of my favorite heavyweights of all time. He is still right in the title picture. I know he's coming off the loss to Cyril Garn in Houston uh, for the interim title, but he is back in Houston to make amends this weekend against Tai Tuivasa, who has really made a name for himself in the last couple of years. He did kind of struggle to take off initially inside the UFC, but now he has put all the right pieces together. He is a seriously charismatic talent. The shoey, he's marketable, he's a draw. Uh, and Derek Lewis is funny as fuck. 
He's a fan favorite. He's a draw. Two of the best knockout artists, fan favorites. This is going to be unreal. I am. This is the fight I'm most excited for on the card. The main event's going to be awesome, but there is just something about this fight. I don't want to see either man get knocked out, but I think that's which way it's going. I'll go a spoiler alert. I'm picking one of these men to win by knockout. There are other ways it could go. It could go to decision, but like, pfft, I don't think so. I think we're going to see one of the greatest fights of 2022. This is going to be so much fun. The crowd is going to be so hot through it. You've got Tai Tuivasa, who is a fan favorite, has such a great energy. The fans love him up against the hometown hero, trying to get the win after such a devastating loss last time out in Houston. This is going to be a big one. It is our co-main event, heavyweight action, Tai Tuivasa up against the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. It is always bigger in Texas, and this is going to be one of the fights of the year. As I mentioned earlier, it is my favorite fight announcement of 2022. Tai Tuivasa has been spending a lot of time in the United Arab Emirates. He's had four camps there now due to COVID in Australia. And the move has paid dividends with Tuivasa winning every fight he's taken part in since relocating his training camp. Tuivasa signed to the UFC after having a 6-0 start to his career. He is a former rugby league player, played under 20s at the Sydney Roosters. Not a great deal of experience as a professional fighter, more just a street fighter. And now he finds himself on the biggest stage in martial arts. He of course has the world-renowned Shui, super popular. If he wins, he said he may even do a cup out of Derek Lewis's ball guard. So that could be huge. A cup he could be on the cards. Very marketable, the Shui. And it is transformed Tai Tuivasa into a massive draw. As far as huge knockout finishes go, it's going to be the master up against the apprentice tonight. Derek Lewis's power is different as well. I think that's what really sets him apart in my opinion. Only Nganu can rival the Black Beast's punching power. Now, some of Derek Lewis's accomplishments. He has the most knockouts in UFC history with 13. That also gives him the most knockouts in heavyweight history. Derek Lewis is tied with Frank Murr for most finishes in UFC history at 13. All of Derek's coming by way of knockout. Derek Lewis is a four-time performance of the night winner. He is a three-time fight of the night winner. And he is a former Legacy FC heavyweight champion. So the Black Beast has gone from a truck driver to one of the greatest heavyweights I have ever seen compete in the UFC. Black Beast's last fight was a massive win against Chris Dorcas, who was a good heavyweight prospect, but Lewis dispatched him in the first round. His game plan worked out perfectly. Round one knockout over Chris Dorcas to give Derek Lewis the most knockouts in UFC history and tie him for most finishes. So really, really big. If he gets the finish here, then Derek Lewis is going to break the record for the most finishes in UFC history. So this is a massive co-main event at UFC 271. And if he gets the most finishes in history, it'll be taking place in his hometown of Houston, Texas. So he beat up Dorcas, the policeman, and sent him packing. He said it's pretty good. Feels pretty good to be able to knock out a policeman, which was pretty funny. 
And yeah, Derek Lewis, one of the funniest fighters, if not the funniest, inside the UFC. Now, these are some of the names that Derek Lewis has knocked out. Chris Dorcas, Curtis Blades, Alexei Olenek, Alexander Volkov in what was voted the comeback of the year. Marcin Tybura, Travis Brown, Shamil Abdurakimov, sorry, and Gabriel Gonzaga. Now, the Black Beast has lost to Mark Hunt by knockout. And Hunt has been somewhat of a mentor in Tuivasa's early stages, a real inspiration for Tai Tuivasa, so he's already been able to knock out the Black Beast. I think Tai Tuivasa is going to draw on that, and he's going to take a lot of confidence from that result of Derek Lewis's past. Now, Derek Lewis has never held the UFC Heavyweight Championship. He's had two attempts. He's always been in the conversation, but both times he has failed. His second attempt, Derek crumbled under the pressure of fighting in his hometown of Houston, which he's going to have to do again here tonight. He had the knockout loss to Cyril Garn for the UFC Interim Heavyweight Championship, which would have set him up if he won with that for that huge fight against Ngannou. So that didn't get to happen. They have fought before, but a win here for Lewis, and he could definitely put himself back in the conversation for a title shot. I know Ngannou is injured. Maybe they do another interim one. Uh, that's that's definitely something that could be on the cards. I won't get into that too much though. This isn't about Ngane and Dana White. This is about these heavyweights, Tai Duivasa and Derek Lewis. Now, in terms of Derek Lewis crumbling under the pressure of his home crowd, all the hype and the noise surrounding that, uh, I just think that Fight Week is equal parts a mental battle as it is a physical one. So it's all about preparation, not only physically, but mentally, and just making sure that you can just present the best version of yourself. So it is a hometown redemption fight for Derek Lewis in Houston. Major opportunity for him to break the record for most finishes in UFC history. This is going to be one of the fights of the year. The narrative in this heavyweight fight is that Derek Lewis, as I said, is going to be aiming for redemption in front of his hometown crowd in Houston. The Black Beast's last venture in Houston didn't go to plan, but his opponent today is totally a different stylistic matchup to what Cyril Garn presented last time out for Derek Lewis in Houston. This fight is 100% set to be a banger. These two fighters know no other way than knockouts, so that looks almost 100% like it is the way it's going. I can't see it going either way other than one of these guys getting the knockout but which of them is it going to be that is where the intrigue and the excitement lays in terms of this co-main event i'll be surprised if either fighter gets through the first five minutes uh, especially to avasa but i think we'll see a finish for sure before the end of round two i think if it gets out of round ones and then i think the action in round two is going to be insane i don't think it's going to last 10 minutes put it that way now, Taito Ivasa is in red-hot form as he heads into the biggest fight of his career to date. A loss here won't hurt Tai's stocks too badly, but a win is guaranteed to catapult Bam Bam into title contention. Now, gatekeeper isn't the right term for Derek Lewis, but to get a title shot, you do have to go through Derek Lewis. That is the position he is in. He is an experienced veteran with a very impressive resume, so... Anyone who beats him, that is a major thing to put on your own resume. 
Uh, and he's not a gatekeeper because it must be said that De Lewis himself is still a major contender in the heavyweight division, and a win here will solidify his place among the division's elite. Derek fought for the interim title last time he competed in Houston, and as I've said, the pressure of the occasion was too much for the Black Beast, who went down to Cyril Garn. Four months later, Derek Lewis returned, smashing Chris Dorcas and earning the round one stoppage finish to break the record for most knockouts in UFC history. Dorcas was a rising contender, and I had my eye on him, but my prediction was a Black Beast knockout win, and that was what took place. I also suggested it could be a first round knockout, that's what I thought was going to happen. That is exactly what happened. And with that win, Derek immediately re-entered the conversation for title contention. The Australian Tuivasa is going to want nothing more than to get the win and enter title contention himself. He sits right outside the top 10 in ranking number 11, so he's right there. Now it's his time to make the push. He is in the best form of his life, and he's taking on the best opponent he's ever faced, so... This shapes as a crucial battle for both men, and this fight is just going to be so much fun. And it's crazy because Bam Bam's career appeared to be stalling until the big man turned things around, to the point where he now finds himself in the co-main event slot against one of the greatest heavyweights to ever do it. It is Knockout King versus Knockout King. And then, of course, Nganu is injured. There's a big uh, contract situation. So much is going on with this heavyweight division. We don't know when we're going to see a next heavyweight title fight. We don't know what the future of Nganu holds. But maybe John Jones versus Stipe for the interim title. But we don't know what John Jones' availability is like. We don't know anything about what's going on with John Jones. Uh, and Stipe Miocic, we don't know whether... I mean, I'm sure he is ready to return. But if John Jones isn't quite ready, then maybe Derek Lewis versus Stipe if Lewis gets the win. Uh, for the interim belt if they do that again, which will be very interesting if they do decide to go that way. But there are some possible names. So Derek Lewis, a win here, will put him right in that mix alongside John Jones, alongside Stipe. That, I would say, is where there is money to be made. But after seeing how much Francis made in his last fight, uh, yeah, maybe there's not that much money to be made. Maybe they should just go and box. But there are some huge fights ahead i think we are yet to see the biggest fight of heavyweight history i think it could come this year uh we're gonna see some massive ones would love to see john jones at heavyweight would love to see stipe back in action hopefully Nganu can get his body right and the contract situation can get resolved and we can see him in action defending his title before the year's out but the black beast Derek lewis is in the mix now, Derek Lewis, nicknamed the Black Beast, he is 37 years old from Houston, Texas. He is representing the Main Street Boxing and Muay Thai Gym, and he has been active since 2010. A big factor for the Black Beast in this fight is that he has a size, reach, and big power advantage. So if Taito Ivasa can stop the Black Beast, then Bam Bam will position himself perfectly for a huge potential opponent next. Tuivasa has already called out John Jones, and at the start of the year, a fight like that seemed unrealistic, but if Tuivasa can knock Derek Lewis out today, then anything is possible. Now, Ty is nicknamed Bam Bam. He is 28 years old, so still very young. 
in the martial arts sense. He is from Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, and two of us has been active since 2012. Now, both guys, and they have been active for similar times in terms of their MMA professional career, and Derek Lewis has made a much bigger impact in only two additional years further ahead in his career than his counterpart in Tuivasa. Tied to Avasa's gym is the American Kickboxing Academy, top-notch gym, and I think they are very high quality. And for the rankings, Derek Lewis is at number three. So as I said, another win. He is right in the mix for potentially an interim title shot or a contender's fight. He's right in the mix for all the big fights and discussions. He's exactly where you want to be. So the number 11 ranked Tuivasa, he needs to knock him off here. Not only would that put him in the top 10, that would put him in conversation for the top five. So really big fight coming up here. Huge rankings implications, huge title implications. The heavyweight division, the future is up in the air right now. So this strikes as a crucial time for everyone to make them move. We don't know if Ngannou is going to stick around. So huge opportunity for Derek Lewis. And honestly, an even bigger one for Taito Avasa. He doesn't have really anything to lose. Uh, and he has so much to gain. Now, the last fights, Derek Lewis, of course, had the round one knockout over Chris Dorcas, whilst Taito Avasa had a very impressive round two knockout over Augusto Sakai, earned himself some more bonus money, as he likes to do, and then just gets on the piss, has an absolutely mad time. Now, Taito Avasa had a 3-0 start to his UFC career, but then he dropped three fights in a row, including a loss to Junior Dos Santos in Adelaide, Australia. Ty is now on a four-fight win streak, heading into the biggest fight of his life. The four-fight win streak included a round one knockout over Stefan Struve. Ty then knocked out Harry Hunsucker in 49 seconds, not 43, 49, but had honestly knocked him out even quicker than that. Just took a little while for the ref to call it. Then he had the one minute and seven second demolition knockout over Greg Hardy, absolutely destroyed him. Don't know what Greg Hardy talks about when he's talking shit. It's like, dude, you got absolutely rolled. Then Ty's most recent outing was the round two knockout over Augusto Sakai. As for Derek Lewis, he has five wins from his last six outings. The only loss being that interim heavyweight title fight against Cyril Garn. Derek's five wins included names such as Chris Dorcas, Curtis Blades, which was a brutal knockout. He okay though? Uh, Alexi Olenek and Alia Latifi. So Derek Lewis has been in fine form and he is ready to go this weekend as his opponent, Ty Tuivasa. All right, professional record time. Derek Lewis has a professional record of 26 wins, eight losses and one no contest. So very experienced. The Black Beast methods of victory. Here's a huge stat. 21 of Derek's 26 wins in his career have come by knockout. So 21 of 26 wins by knockout, that tells you everything you need to know about Derek Lewis. He has also has one armbar submission win, which was in the fifth, fourth or fifth fight, I think the fourth fight of his professional career outside of the UFC. Derek Lewis also has four decision wins, but he's a knockout artist. 21 of the Black Beast's wins have come by way of knockout. Derek Lewis's losses have included five by way of knockout. So the fighters who have knocked Derek Lewis out include 
Cyril Garn Jr. Dos Santos, who's nice but knocked both of these guys out. Mark the Super Samoan Hunt, who's knocked Derek Lewis out. Sean Jordan and Matt Matrioni, or Mitrioni. Lewis has also been submitted once by Daniel Cormier, as well as losing twice by decision. For Tuivasa's record, heading into this fight, it stands at 13 wins and 3 losses. Tuivasa's 3 losses came in the form of a 3-fight losing streak, so they were all consecutive losses. Uh, the 3 losses included a Junior Dos Santos TKO loss, a decision loss at UFC 238 as well, and a submission loss to Sergey or Sergey, sorry, again, Spivak. Ty then went on his four-fight win streak that has led him to this coming-of-age opportunity. Ty to Ivasa's methods of victory, 12 of 13 wins by knockout. As I said, this is going to be a huge battle of knockout kings. Ty has one decision win, but 12 of 13 wins by knockout, up against Derek Lewis with 21 wins from 26, or 21 knockouts from 26 wins. So, we're going to see a knockout here. It's going to be an epic co-main event. I cannot wait. There's going to be heavy hands. Someone's getting knocked out. It's happening for sure. But who's it going to be? Who gets the win? I'm going to take a look at the betting market now. Then I'm going to make my official prediction for this co-main event. And the card's coming up. It's about two hours away from the early prelims starting. So i got to get this out there. i got to move on to the main event, the middleweight championship fight. So... I am going to quickly bang out the betting odds and then I'm going to give my official prediction and quickly move on. I've said plenty about this fight and I can't wait to just watch all of this card play out, including this fight. So the betting market uh, and methods of victory, I'm just going to look at knockouts and decisions. I don't think there will be a submission. Maybe there will. Two of us are $26. I'll have a look at it. $26 for two of us to win by uh, submission. Two of us are by decision, $8.50. Derek Lewis to win by decision, $6.50. Derek Lewis by submission, $26. Head to head, Derek Lewis is the favorite, $1.53. So really nice odds on Lewis there. And a lot of people I know, a lot of Australians, have been backing Ty to Avasa, the underdog. Really good price tag at $2.55. Now, methods of victory. Derek Lewis, $1.91 to get the knockout victory. I think that's fair, but I would have liked a $2. That would have been a nicer price tag. And tied to Avasa, $3.50. Huge odds to get the knockout victory. That would be great money if you can put just a little bit on there and he can make it happen for you. But as far as the way I am going, I'm going to be taking Derek Lewis in this heavyweight co-main event. I'm taking Derek Lewis by knockout at $1.91. So before I move on quickly to the main event, middleweight championship fight, my heavyweight prediction, Derek, the Black Beast Lewis, Ty, Bam Bam, Tuivasa. I am taking Derek Lewis by knockout. So now it is time to move on to the UFC 271 main event. All right, main event time, UFC 271 middleweight championship Israel Adesanya, Robert Whittaker, the rematch, the grudge match, the second installment of their rivalry. We have the last stylebender up against the Reaper, a rivalry for the ages that may or may not be settled once and for all in this high stakes main event showdown. I grew up in New Zealand watching the UFC, loving the UFC from an early age. I moved to Australia, I continued to follow the UFC 
This has been the greatest trans-Tasman New Zealand-Australia rivalry in MMA history. I am such a huge fan. This is one of the most important MMA rivalries in my books, just personally. So I am so excited for this main event. We have the X-Factor champion. There is something about him that just people are drawn to him. The stylebender Israel Adesanya, the undisputed king of the middleweights. He defeated Rob Whitaker for the belt in Melbourne. Biggest fight in New Zealand and Australian MMA history. And these two rivals were always going to meet again. And this weekend in Houston, it's time for these elite middleweights to run it back. Australian UFC champions as well. We have Alex Volkanovsky, but the first was Whitaker, a pioneer of Australian MMA. And on the other side, you have Israel Adesanya from City Kickboxing, among the likes of Alex Volkanovsky, Kaikara France, Blood Diamond making his debut on this card. Carlos Olberg competing in this card. Jamie Malaki, who is definitely one to watch. So this is going to be such a great fight. Robert Whitaker will be representing Australia. Izzy will be representing New Zealand, my hometown in Auckland, New Zealand. And Izzy is a once-in-a-lifetime athlete who carries himself like a champion. Whitaker is very proud of his gym. So it's going to be City Kickboxing versus Rob's gym. He has full faith in his setup. He believes it's one of the best gyms in the world. So we will see when all is said and done. He's going to be taking on Adesanya, who has a very unique fighting style. So it helps that he's fought him once before. And Izzy was one of the fastest rising stars in UFC history. I remember the great moment when he defeated Anderson Silva in a passing of the torch moment. Over 50,000 people were in Marvel Stadium. And honestly, I cannot wait for the return to Melbourne. I will be there for sure. I've put money aside to ensure myself the best seats possible. But over 50,000 in Marvel Stadium in Melbourne for the first installment of this rivalry between Whitaker and Adesanya. And it was a great showdown. Adesanya got the job done. That is what this rivalry has been built on. There is so much storyline and so much emotion and history that is built up now over the time between their first meeting and this one it's going to be so big and as i've said a lot through this card or through this podcast rather so many australian and kiwi fighters on this card you've got carlos alberg with ties to israel you've got tai tuavasa in the huge co-main event jacob malcoon who has ties to robert whittaker You've got Casey O'Neill and the debut of Blood Diamond in the UFC who has ties to Israel Adesanya. Now the main event has the Australian versus New Zealand narrative, but it's not about that. It's about the championship. It's about both of these men trying to settle their differences. Now other fighters in the UFC from Australia or New Zealand that I really like are Jack Della Maddalena, Kaikara France, Alex Volkanovsky, Jamie Malarkey, Justin Taffer, and there are so many others and so many more to come. People like Jack Becker uh, from Eternal MMA in the lightweight division. I think he could definitely make a run in the UFC. So yeah, a lot of names to watch, but back to the fight now. And Ego was what got to Whitaker in the title fight, he said, is he got the job done so easily that night, shutting Rob's lights out in the second round. This time around, Rob wants to rip Izzy's head off. This is a genuine grudge match. There is so much hype, pressure, and build-up surrounding this one. 
It got to Rob the first time, but this weekend in Houston, Whitaker is going to be ready. He's going to bring the best version of himself, the Reaper. He is here to take souls, and there is no one's soul that he wants to take more than the champions, Israel Adesanya, the man who took his belt. The storyline writes itself. Now, Rob stepped away after the Izzy fight. He was burned out. He needed time away. He didn't even know if he was going to come back, so it's a remarkable story to see him back. He was made to earn his way back too. He wasn't given an immediate title shot. He was made to run through a who's who of contenders in the division, including Jared Cannonier. So really great form as of late from Rob Whitaker. The time away obviously helped him reignite his passion and he has been winning ever since. Outside of his loss for Adesanya as well, Whitaker is undefeated at 185 pounds he doesn't want to lose again to Adesanya. He wants to level the scores at one all. We are literally uh, less than an hour now from the early prelims starting. So this card is so close. And the more I talk about the main event, the more I get so excited for this card. We are close to kickoff. Now the main card is a little bit further away. So I hope you stick around for the end of this podcast to see my prediction for the main event. And then we can sit back and we can enjoy an unbelievable UFC 271 pay-per-view. Whitaker's plan, he is going to copy the blueprint of what worked for Jan Blahovic, the only man so far to defeat Israel Avdesanya. Rob has been working really hard on his wrestling. He wants to get the grappling domination over the champion. He's going to be mixing in his quality striking, which he's been training with Johnny Lewis, who is a legendary coach. His striking is going to be five stars and he is working to the point where his grappling could be five stars as well so we are going to see the absolute best version of Robert Whitaker in this fight he's going to bring a better defensive game and that's what makes this such an intriguing fight the second time around because you know that Izzy has made adjustments as well so this is going to be really big we saw some of the adjustments that Whitaker made in his game in the decision win over Jared Cannonier, It was like a new Whitaker, a refreshed Whitaker with a higher fight IQ as well. Uh, and yeah, he's going to be coming in hot for this fight. Now the champion Israel is going to be representing my hometown, Auckland, New Zealand. I love both fighters. They are my two favorite middleweights, but Israel Adesanya has my support today. The 271 card is less than an hour away from kickoff. So I'm putting it out there. I would be happy to see Whitaker win the title, but I'll be cheering Israel Adesanya on. He's the one who I'll be supporting in this huge, huge fight. Izzy is a team player. He's been passing on his knowledge and support to the up-and-comers that he trains alongside. Uh, and yeah, I just really like the way he carries himself. Now, Robert Whitaker has been working alongside the Penrith Panthers, the best team in the NRL. I rate them really highly. He's been doing wrestling sessions with them. And honestly, NRL players, I'll get into this another time, could make for really elite fighters. Honestly, there are a lot of guys in the NRL who could make a really good run at the UFC, but I think honestly the setup is better for them in the NRL. The UFC doesn't guarantee money and it's a very unforgiving sport, but if they gave it a try, they could definitely be very, very good at it. Guys like Tai Tuivasa and Alexander Volkanovsky are former rugby league players, to give you an idea on kind of the skill set. So a very strong partnership, Rob Whitaker and the NRL Premiers, the Penrith Panthers, 
And this feud has never been about country versus country, Australia versus New Zealand. Whitaker, of course, is an Aussie with Kiwi heritage. Izzy, the Kiwi with Nigerian heritage. As I mentioned before too, Rob Whitaker has been training with Johnny Lewis, a boxing hall of famer. He's been helping the Reaper. Veteran mind, unrivaled experience. Adds so much more to Whitaker's game. This fight is going to be five stars. It's going to be one of the fight of the year contenders. So we've got the challenger, Rob Whitaker, nicknamed the Reaper. 31 years old, hometown, born in my hometown of Auckland, New Zealand, now residing in Sydney, Australia. Rob has been active since 2009, and he will be representing the Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Smeet and Grains Gym. As for his titles and accomplishments, Rob is a former Ultimate Fighter winner. He is a former UFC middleweight champion. He is the first Australian UFC champion ever. First of many, by the way. He is a five-time Fight of the Night winner. That's unbelievable. I think he could be up for those honors again. And he is a three-time Performance of the Night winner. As for the size advantage, there is a major advantage in the height, reach, and honestly, ever so slightly, in the power to Adesanya. So I give him the advantage. I definitely think he deserves to be the favorite in this. But Whitaker, he, you, can't, you can't judge heart and you can't judge things until they're in there. This is going to be a very different Whitaker and a very different Adesanya. So as for how this fight plays out, it could go anyway, but the advantage in the size goes to Adesanya. That again tips the scales in the champion's favor. Now, the champion Israel Adesanya, nicknamed the last stylebender. He is 32 years old, representing my hometown, as I've said a couple of times, of Auckland, New Zealand. Go Izzy, let's hope, I, let's hope he gets the win. But again, it, there are so many great moments on UFC pay-per-views. It'll be another great moment if Whitaker does win the title. Now, Adesanya has been active since 2009. He is representing the City Kickboxing Gym. Izzy's titles and accomplishments include being the current middleweight champion in the UFC. He has five times performances of the night. He has two times fight of the night. Izzy also has the most knockdowns in a UFC title fight with four, as well as winning a host of MMA awards. Now, the rankings. Rob is ranked number one. He deserves the shot, he has worked very hard to get there, and Izzy is the champion. The feud is already built, the narrative is set. We of course had Izzy who was on a streak of 20-0 before he lost to Jan Blahovic. He got confident, he stepped up to light heavyweight, and he went down in a champion vs champion match. His streak of 20-0 was broken, uh, and then Izzy backed up, he came out, returned to middleweight, and he retained his title in a rematch against a guy he'd already beaten before, Marvin Vittori, who is currently ranked number two in the division. So 21-0 at middleweight for Adesanya, 0-1 at light heavyweight. As for Whitaker's last fight, he had a three-fight win streak continue after his loss to Izzy. His last, last loss was his loss to Izzy. He is now on a three-fight win streak. All three wins by decision over Darren Till, Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum. All right, now we are so close to the card kicking off. So I'm going to get into the professional records, then I'm going to get into the betting market, and then to wrap this up, I'm going to make my official prediction, and then I'm going to sit down and let's enjoy this card. And don't forget, I'll be streaming on Twitch. I'll drop some more episodes, uh, not episodes, some more information on that. 
at the end of the episode, but I'll be streaming with JJ for the entire card. So please tune in if you want to, if you enjoyed Twitch. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So professional records, Israel Adesanya, 21 wins and one loss. As for Whitaker, his record stands at 23 wins and five losses. Losses for both men. Now, just having a quick look at that, Rob Whitaker's losses include a loss to Hun Kim, a submission loss in 2011. It was the first loss of Rob's career after going 7-0 to kick things off. Then Rob lost to Jesse Juarez by decision in 2012 for the CFC Welterweight Championship in Sydney, Australia. Another loss for Rob was Court McGee, who got a win recently, really good win. Uh, Court McGee beat Rob by split decision at welterweight. Then Rob went down in another welterweight showdown to the Karate Kid, the Wonder Boy, Stephen Thompson by TKO. Then Rob went on a nine-fight win streak before losing via knockout in Melbourne to Adesanya. Now Izzy's one loss of his career was a decision loss for the light heavyweight title against the champion Jan Blahovic, and Whitaker will have been studying the tape of that fight extremely closely, seeing what Jan did to be the only man to have ever beaten Izzy. Now, methods of victory, Adesanya, his main wins have come by knockout, 15 knockout wins, drawing on that elite kickboxing experience, 15 knockout wins, six decisions as well for Israel Adesanya, so no submissions, and Izzy's one loss, of course, was decision to Jan Blachowicz, so he's never been stopped. And Whitaker's victories, predominantly TKO and decision. Nine knockouts for Whitaker, nine decisions, and five submission wins. So there could be a real value bet in Whitaker by submission. Now, the weight class. There is a lot of knockout power in the middleweight division, but both men are resilient, and there is so much on the line. So adrenaline is sure to be pumping, not bumping, through their bodies. Uh, And it's going to be interesting to see whether they can get through the five-round contest with the intense crowd behind them. So now it is time for the betting market, which means right after that, it is time for my prediction. It is just about time to wrap up this podcast, just in time for the card. And then I'm going to make my way over to JJ's for the live Twitch stream. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I can't wait. So let's jump into the betting market. Then I will make my official prediction for this UFC 271 middleweight championship main event between the challenger, the reaper, Rob Whitaker, looking for redemption against the champion, the last style vendor, representing Auckland, New Zealand, Israel Adesanya. All right, and in the betting market, Izzy is the clear favorite, $1.36. If you love a big value main event bet, though, Robert Whitaker, $3.15. Serious money to be made there. So Israel Adesanya, the favorite though, at $1.36. Methods of victory now. I said Whitaker's submission could be a value bet. $13 on that. Wouldn't that be a cheeky one? We did see Francis Ngannou go for a left field one and grapple in his last outing. So maybe Whitaker does the same. Throws something different out there. Gets that $13 submission win. For Whitaker to win by decision, which could definitely be an option, uh, $5.50, that's another great value bet. No matter which way you go on Whitaker, it's great value if he can get the win. Whitaker by knockout is $7.50. Now, for Adesanya to win by knockout or to win by decision, both $2.75, so it's a bit of a toss-up. It's $18 for submission, so 
It's basically in the betting market size. Adesanya wins. How does he do it? By decision or by knockout. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. Uh, Robert Whitaker is right in there. The odds and the market don't reflect the true nature because they don't want to give money away. And everyone feels as though Izzy is this undefeatable champion. But Robert Whitaker has the tools to beat him. Absolutely. He is the number one guy. He is the right guy to be challenging Izzy for the title at this time. So that's the betting market. It is time to make my official prediction for this middleweight championship main event. And still, I am taking Israel Adesanya. How am I taking him? By decision. So $2.75 odds. I'm jumping on that. But knockout could definitely be an option. But I think we're in for a great fight of the night year, uh, fight of the year, sorry, candidate. So I am taking the champion, the last stylebender, Israel Adesanya, to retain his UFC middleweight championship against Rob Whitaker in the rematch. I think Adesanya wins by decision. So that is my UFC main event preview and predictions. This has been not just a sports report. The card is just a matter of like 40 minutes away now. So if you've enjoyed, follow us on Instagram at not just a sports report. I'm going live on Twitch in about 40 minutes. So there's a lot to keep up with. Instagram is the best place to keep up with everything that is going on. Of course, my final prediction for this main event, Izzy by decision. And still up next, I've got Izzy versus Cannonier for the belt. So that's my prediction. Of course, if you want to tune into the live stream, my, uh, it's going to be not just a sports report, times the stoner scoreboard so a tribute to casey stoner of course and it's gonna be great we're gonna go through the entire card stoner scoreboard on twitch that is twitch.tv slash the stoner scoreboard so check that out it is gonna be a lot of fun enjoy this card it's gonna be great i hope you enjoyed the podcast and until next time take care